Hebrews 3, we want to look at uh, our greatest battle. What is your greatest battle in life? And I think Hebrews 3 touches on it. And it says something like this. Today, if you hear his voice, verse 7, do not, I better get it all. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit is saying, watch that, is saying. Is that a present tense or past? Do you know what he's, uh, the Holy Spirit is saying? He is saying Psalms 95, 7 through 11. Watch this connection. When the Spirit is presently speaking, he is speaking Psalms 95 to the church. Did you know the Spirit is talking when the Word of God is talking? You get folks, I want to hear from God. No, you don't. You're too lazy to read it. I'm trying to get a word from God. I grew up with people like, what do you mean? You, you can't tell me anything about the Bible to start with. Why write a letter to someone that won't read it? Well, my voice is coming back. Uh, why write letters that people won't read? This is God. The Holy Spirit is talking. And what he's going to say, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not <clears throat> known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, God made an oath, they shall not Enter my rest. Notice verse, uh, let's go down to verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Our greatest battle in life is deciding who we are going to believe. Who do you believe? Talking to Gabe Lopez a while back, I said, what's it like on campus? Tell me about the school experience. What's going on at John Sweat? He said, well, I'll tell you this much, Pastor. Kids don't trust anybody. He said, that is the atmosphere of the campus. Young people he was making that statement, at least for that group. He felt, I don't think they trust anybody. And that is probably one of the biggest battles in life. Who can you trust? Uh, if you don't know, just carry some money that says, in God we trust. Isn't that helpful? They just pray over this as they print that money. Maybe they trust... No, you trust in the 20. You don't trust in God. That's what most people do with that. I trust money, but I don't trust God. Now, we were doing fine in the Garden of Eden. There's no conversation recorded between Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 through 3. Not one word is said to each other. It's never recorded. Matter of fact, she didn't say, would you like some of the fruit? 
It just said she offered it to him. No, no words. Everything is going good in the garden until another voice shows up. And this voice shows up in a serpent who says, has God really said that? Question what God said. They never heard that voice before. It had only been God talking to Adam up to this time. And all of a sudden, we got a voice coming through this serpent. Has God said? And Eve started thinking, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I thought he did. That's what I heard from Adam about the instructions about the tree. By the way, uh, we were told that if we eat of this tree, we'll die. Oh, no, 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 no. You won't die. And she's thinking about it. Well, look at that. It looks good. I don't know how it tastes, but I'm hearing a voice that says it won't hurt me. I've never heard this voice before. I've been hearing a voice that says don't, but now I hear a voice that says the first voice was mixed up. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a liar, basically. He said it would kill you, but I guess he's lied to me. I choose to believe this voice, and I'll take my chances. And the human race has been dying and paying for it ever since. One wrong choice plunged all of your ancestors and us into death. We all died in a day, according to Romans 5. For we all died in Adam when we made the choice to believe the other voice more than the voice of God. Now, in your life, You've got some voices talking to you. And what was born out of the sin was another voice. So you got God's voice. We've got Satan's voice. And then all of a sudden, you start hearing Adam and Eve. When they talk back to God, he makes inquiry. They said, well, by the way, uh, we feel ashamed uh, since we discovered we're naked. Wait, wait, you've been naked for your whole existence. Why does it bother you now? It tells you the garden had to be fairly well heated. Wouldn't you hate to be in this weather naked? No. This makes you believe in clothes. But what, what, why all of a sudden is there an inner sense of shame? Uh, something's not right. It, it just doesn't feel right to be totally exposed. Why? Because conscience was born, and another voice was born in my heart that approves and disapproves of my behavior. And so now I've got three voices at work, God's voice, Satan's voice, and my conscience, or maybe my heart, if you want to call it that. Now, according to Proverbs, the fool trusts only in his heart. A, a thoroughgoing atheist trusts nobody but himself. I only trust me. And then there's another group. They're obeying the voice of Satan without even knowing. They may not even believe in the devil, 
And he says, I don't care if you believe in me or not, just do what I say. And then you've got the voice of God. Now, here he's writing to these Hebrews. Believers in there, some had professed faith, obviously. Some had professed it and were being tempted to go back. Because as these uh, Jews were coming to faith, they were being kicked out of family inheritance. They were being kicked out of synagogue, maybe out of family business, out of the uh, neighborhood they grew up in. They are seen as the enemy. They are seen as turncoats on their own Jewishness. And by the way, get over this myth. When a Jew becomes a believer, they don't cease to be a Jew. When an Irishman puts faith in Christ, by Georgia, still Irish. And it's a favorite Jewish trick to say we Christians want them to give up being Jewish. No, no, no. You're going to be as Jew, eat kosher all you want, as long as you see the Messiah was Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, observe Yom Kippur. All the, no, no problem with it's embrace Jesus as our Messiah. So he's saying to them, the first six verses, he says, there's two examples you should always be considering. Jesus Christ, consider him in verse 1. And the word for consider means fix your mind on, weigh out Christ. And it was the word consider the lilies of the field, consider the birds of the air. The idea wasn't just look at a bird and say there's a bird. No, consider. Think about what God's doing for that bird, that he maintains it, feeds it, cares for it. Think on it. Think on Christ. He was faithful in God's household. And you love Moses. Well, he was faithful to God. He believed God. He obeyed God. He makes the argument, a favorite argument among the rabbis of lesser to greater. Now, Moses was faithful as a servant and as a member of the household. Jesus was the son who owned the household. He created it. So he says, these two great personages, Christ being the greater, greater than angels, greater than prophets, greater than Moses, they have proved to be faithful. And you are truly believers if you remain faithful to Christ and don't go back. Verse 6, notice it. And we are his house. And house is used of the building and the household. It's, uh, so he's reading, we are members of the household of faith. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. We are really God's children if we continue in our confidence in the gospel and in Christ. If you go back, you lost your confidence, you lost any claim to salvation. Don't go back. Don't go back. Now, these are the examples he gives. And then he gives the negative example. Don't fall into unbelief like the children of Israel did at Kadesh. And that would be Numbers 14 that describes it. It goes this way. The spies were sent out in chapter 13 of Numbers. Twelve men go out. They spy the land. The grapes are huge. They carry them back on a pole. Others say, 
it, it's everything that uh, we thought it would be. Uh, before the Turks ravaged the land, and uh, Palestine has been stripped of its forest so many times. But at this time, it was dairy land. There was milk, honey. That means there's pasture. It wasn't just desert. It was beautiful. Grapes are, are everywhere. It's everything that we thought it would be. By the way, men, give us your report. Well, it is everything he said it would be. It looks glorious. Just two problems. What's that? There's a lot of giants over there. They're big. And we are grasshoppers next to them. And so 10 of us have got together, and you know majority vote is always right. And the majority say, we can't inherit what God promised to Abraham and his descendants. There's too big, too many, and we're too small, and the promise of God evaporates on giants and on small men. We don't believe we can do it. They begin to grumble. They, in chapter 14, decide they want to kill Moses. They want to go back to Egypt. And the people started groaning and mumbling and saying, you brought us out into the wilderness to die. Joshua and Caleb speak up. We can take it. We can take it. God promised it. Let's go for it. Let's believe God. God can keep his promise, and the promised land is a land of rest. We won't be wondering anymore. We've been out in this wilderness too long. Well, the majority of the 2 million people, especially those over 20 and older, they all said, we go with the 10 spies. We can't enter in. We just aren't going to go for it. And God looked on, and he said, you know what? You've ignored my voice. You've hardened your heart to my promise. You've taken the position of stubbornness. You won't obey. To I, I got you out of Egypt. I opened up the Red Sea. I provided a leader in Moses. Come on. I've been taking care of you. Surely the God that can get you out of Egypt can get you into Canaan, right? No, is what they said. The God of the Exodus died, and he's not big enough for us to enter into the promised land. God said, okay, since you don't think you can see me fulfill the promise, I'm not for you. I'm going to march you to death, and I want to keep you in this wilderness for 40 years, Till every man that's 20 years of age and older, we're going to bury you, bury you, and bury you. Oh, by the way, you said not even your, your children would see it. Guess what I want to do? I want to kill you, and I want to see to it your boy goes across. Your children will inherit this land. You could have, but I never reward unbelief. I never reward unbelief. If you... Decide you can't believe me to keep my word and that I cannot keep promises. Bobby Dillon, years ago, when he wrote Slow Train Coming, he said, God don't make promises he cannot keep. Are you calling the God of Abraham a liar? Yes. Do you refuse to go in? Yes. 
Well, know this. He's angry about your stubbornness, and he's made an oath. You will never see his rest. You will never see the land. Why in the world is he talking to these, this congregation this way? Because there were people there that were weighing whether they're going to put their faith in Christ or not. They were weighing whether they go back to Judaism or not. They were weighing. They were weighing. They were weighing whether they could trust God or not. Either trust him or don't. I, uh, I don't know if he really is, but I believe the gospel. It said that I would have a home in heaven that I could enter into God's rest, but I'm undecided, and, and I'm trying. There's voices, too many voices, the voice of Judaism, the voice that says, go back, and the voice that says, believe me, go into the promised land, and I'll give you rest, for I cannot lie. I will keep my word to you. Well, he makes an exhortation. He commands it. Here are the examples. Great example, Christ. Great example, Moses. The wrong example, Israel at Kadesh Barnea. Now he says something to them. Verse 12 and 13. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called a day, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence, the gospel, firm to the end. As it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. He gives the positive and negative examples. And then in the Greek language, he used an imperative, and it's a present imperative. I'm commanding you continually be doing this with one another. What should we be doing with one another? Look what he says. Beware that you may be sitting with someone in church right now that is being tempted to have an evil, unbelieving heart towards God, leading you to fall away from God. Well, what should we do? What should we be doing? We ought to be exhorting, which is to encourage, to stimulate, to comfort, to come on, we can... We can do this together. And when should you do it? Every day? Do you need that explained? Every day means every day. That none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The hard sin all the way back to Eden has deceived us killed us, and lied to us. One of the great agonies of pastoring is seeing lives go up in smoke, seeing people who have professed the faith still lose the marriage, seeing people who profess the faith that uh, 
abandoned not only this church, but abandoned walking with Christ. And when they died, they were back on the drugs they originally had been saved from. They were back to the bar they originally said they were saved from. They were back to womanizing like they originally got saved from. They went back to everything they used to be. How can it be? Well, the early church knew well the story of Judas, who could travel with Christ for three and a half years and still deny him and bail out, selling for 30 pieces of silver. They knew the story. How do you explain Judas? Jesus must not have been a very good pastor. Let's blame, let's blame somebody. Jesus, you didn't take get very good care of him. He said, I've asked the Father to keep all that are mine. He never has been mine. He's of the devil. He li just likes to hang around a religious crowd. It's like some of you. You like to hang out around church. They're kind of nice folks. At least on Sunday, they look good. Kind of safe. A little bit better. Better than the boys' club. They knew the story of Demas going back. They knew the story of the four soils where Jesus said some seed will sprout up quickly and it looks like it's the real thing and then the sun of persecution comes and it wilts and it dies and it never bears fruit. Oh, what about that soil that seemed to spring up in rocky ground and it, it, it seemed to be the real thing. It took shallow root, but the rocks choked it out. What about that soil that uh, the anxieties of the world, the, the lust for riches and, and the cares of life just came in and whoop, another plant just fell over. Only one of the four bore fruit. The only one that was saved in the picture. The other three shows you that we can have quick conversions, short-term conversions, short-term people that seem really happy in this and that. And, and yet, it's not how you begin the Christian life. It's how you finish. It's not, not saved for a day. Not, oh, I, I'm, no. If you continue, if you continue, and he's saying we ought to be encouraging one another, now, I want to ask you some real convicting questions, and I don't want you to look at your wife or husband. Who would you go to if you were getting in a slump, beginning to stray in your heart? Who would you go to in the church right now? Pastors not included. To you. To you. Who would you go to to talk straight to you that you're being deceived, you're being stubborn, and you're straying. Who would you give the permission to talk to you that way? Or would you say, it's none of your business how I'm living. Get out of my life. I'm an American. That's your problem. Are you more American than Christian? Who needs this warning? Who needs it? And let me tell you something about this passage. Verse 6 and 14 give interpreters fits because 
it sounds like you might lose your salvation. If you continue, if you continue. Now, let me tell you the different approaches to the if, okay? Uh, there's one group that says you can lose your salvation. You can start being saved, and then all of a sudden you go back. We called it backsliding. I grew up this way. And you go back, boom, you're lost. That's straightforward, clean cut, and wow, I believed it for years. Made sense. Many good people believe that. So that if you turn back, you just lost it. You're just not saved. Okay? Two, uh, you got people, and this is a dastardly view. It's hypothetical. The warnings, we know you won't, don't need this, but let me hypothetically warn you. Oh, I just want to throw up. God doesn't waste warnings. God's got more to do than to threaten and not carry through. It's not hypothetical. It's real. Now, let me tell you about the once saved, always saved crowd. They'll read verses like this and, well, that doesn't apply to me. Because you know I got it. I'm once saved. I'm always saved. And it's all these uh, Arminians worried about losing it that this is for. And you get this flippancy, that exhortations to holiness, exhortation to flee sin, exhortation to be careful. Oh, that's not for me. I'm, I'm saved. I got it. Wait, 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 wait. Can you be saved and go to bed with the wrong woman? Talk to me. I can't hear you. Did David go to bed with the wrong woman? Do folks in the church get in trouble? Are they still saved? Oh, they had immoral people in the Corinthian church. They were the baptized full of the Holy Ghost on fire, tongue-talking church, but they still had immoral problems, just like the Baptists. No, no groups immune. No groups immune. What's the warning? The warning is continuance in the faith gives evidence you've been saved. And the reformers never talked about eternal security, once saved, always saved. It, that's, that language is, they said, those who are truly saved will persevere even to the end. They may fall down. The righteous fall down seven times, Proverbs says, but the Lord puts them back up. Huh? The Lord puts them back up. Now, let me tell you something. So many of you, so many just city folks, you need some training. The difference between a hog and a sheep, I got this from McGee. It's wonderful. You can take a hog, bathe it, spray it with Chanel number no. 5, but you won't change its nature. Guess what it's looking for? You got it. Mud, barnyard. Woo, I feel at home. You are at home. You're a hog. And Peter says the apostate 
is like a dog that returns to his vomit or like the hog. The nature's not been changed. They've never got new appetites. And all of a sudden we say, oh, if we would have discipled them. Oh, baloney. If they'd ever got saved. See, I grew up with Pentecostals and Free Will Baptists and different people of different Mennonites. I grew up with people of all different persuasions. Those that thought you can lose it. Those that said, but guess what? Hear me. I go see some folks that preached me as a kid, Pentecostals. And I can't talk them into security. They said, we love you, Phil, but don't try to make a Baptist out of us. Okay. I'm more sure they're going to make it than they are because they're going to be there. And guess what? 50 years later, they're still walking with him. Still walking. They had never heard about this once saved, always saved. They don't believe it. That's a bunch of baloney. That's what the confound, that's what seminary got you into. When you used to be full of the Holy Ghost, you didn't talk that way. Guess what? It doesn't matter if they believe it or not. They're living like they do. They just continue, continue, continue. And I've seen some in this church that I raised spout off all that they know that aren't pursuing him today. Now, who really is saved? Those who know all the answers are those that keep following. Look at verse 6. It said, if we indeed hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope, we're boasting in the promise the gospel gives us. We're continuing to hold. We're not going back to Judaism. We're not going back from where we came out. We're going to cling to Christ Hold on to Christ. He's all we've got. And then verse 14, listen. If indeed we hold, we've come to be sharers in Christ. We really are born again. If indeed we hold our original confidence for a week. Oh, 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 for to the end. That's how long. You see, the faith in John is present tense usually. Whosoever is believing, it's present tense. It's not once for all. Those that are born again are the people who continually believe God right on through. But guess what, believer? I need you and you need me to keep me from being deceived by sin and doing something crazy even if I'm going to heaven. That's what he says. Just recently, I heard of a young lady that I've known for years in a slump, in a downtime, telling another believer, I think I need to have an affair to get over this. Have an affair, a husband and five children. You don't need more sex. Your problem won't be solved with another rendezvous. A voice is talking to her. A voice is saying, deceiving her. What you need is a fix. What you need is a one-night affair. What you need maybe is a shot of Coke. 
What you need is do this. You need to step into and do the forbidden. You do it. Come on, honey. It won't hurt. It won't hurt. It'll give you a quick lift. You need to get drunk this Friday night. You know, getting drunk always gets you out of your problem. Come on. And we got to keep Jack in business. You, 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 you need, come on, you need a quick fix. You need a quick, who's lying to you? Who are you talking, listen to me. Who, hey, well, you, who, you're listening to another voice. And in the battle of my life is which voice am I going to believe? Which voice? It's a battle of our life. You're listening to a voice and you're following that voice. Is it the voice of God? or this voice of Satan, or something just as bad, that stupid heart of yours, that according to Numbers 15, God said, I want you to stone the boy for picking up sticks on the Sabbath. This is the reason the crime was so great. Because he followed his heart and not my word. When you don't know what to do, do what God says. When you don't know which way to go, go this way. Well, I sort of feel in the mood. That's your problem, honey. You're in the mood. You can't live on emotion and moods. You've got to say, I will take him at his word, though he slay me. I choose to believe God. Even when I buried my children and the boils are all over my body, I choose to trust this God who has blessed me so much. I choose to believe him. That's your choice. You see, that's where your eternal state is a choice. You're either going to believe the voice of God or the voice of Satan. And Satan wants company in hell, so he wants you to listen to him. God has offered you heaven, but you've got to listen to him. You've got to believe him. I don't know of anything more offensive than if I had this scenario. Son, for your birthday, I plan to buy you a brand new bike. Uh, I want to be good to you. And, and the boy simply says, well, Dad, I respect you, but I think you're lying. Son, Whoever, who, who put that in your head? Well, uh, the, the, the bully on the block says you're a liar. And you, I can never trust what you say. So, Dad, it, it, I it sounds good, but since you're a liar, I'm not counting on it. Now, if you were the dad, how would you, would you take that personally? And here God is. Enter the land. Enter by faith. I'm going to fulfill my promise to Abraham and his descendants. It's yours. Go for it. No. We will not. We don't believe you. Take that and hang it on your ear. God says, I make an oath. You shall not enter my rest. I'll see to it. You don't get the land. I'll march you to death. And this is where he comes down in chapter 4. He's going to say, there is a rest to those who believe God. But chapter 3 ends, there's no rest for those who will not believe him. So I ask you, as you begin a new year, who are you going to believe? Whose voice will you listen to? 
Oh, I think of our young people, and I think of us. Look at how many voices are coming to us. It's not like no one's talking. Technology's coming at us. Uh, news is coming. You know, today you can just stay at home and hear a thousand messages. Tech, text, this, ba, ba, ba. And then just say, uh, tell me, do you read the Bible? Well, I, I'm reading a good novel. I didn't say a novel. I said, have you heard God talk to you lately? Well, I don't believe in dreams and visions. Do you believe in listening? Listening. Today, today, if you hear his voice and not harden your heart and stop being deceived by sin, all the whole race has been deceived. When will you admit you're a gullible, deceivable person? no matter how sophisticated you think you are. The whole race was deceived by a lie. Believe the other voice. Hell will be full of people who follow another voice. I love what he said in John 10, but my sheep hear my voice. The only way we'll know you're his sheep, you'll hear it, and follow it, and you will be guaranteed of heaven if the perseverance is evidence in your life. If you go back, if you go back, we have no assurance, no assurance that you're one of his own. For a sheep, though they stumble, though they get dirty, though they fail, though they must run to him constantly to confess their sins and attitude, there is a fountain for us, but there is no road back for the believer. When you come to Christ, you burn all the ships in the bay and say, we're not going back. I think of Winston when he was giving his speech at the school he graduated from, and they brought him back. I think it was Harrow was the uh, school. He went back after being prime minister of England, and they said, please give us a speech. He said, I will be glad to. And he showed up, and his speech was, never, never, never give up. And he sat down. That was the speech. And Hebrews is saying, Never, never, never give up Christ for Judaism, bullocks, religious rituals. Follow the deception of a lying voice. Oh, take yourself by the throat and say, oh, liar, I will not listen to my heart, nor will I listen to this other voice. I will listen to one voice, the voice of God. That's your battle. That's your battle. Let us stand. Stand with me. Some of you are listening to the other voice. Your life's in a mess. You're on the verge of destroying yourself by some deceitful sin. Some of you men, you know you're playing with the wrong kind of literature, the wrong kind of eyes. Why don't you look to God to deliver you from all the deception that rages in your own heart? 
Oh, I wish. You know what would be wonderful to me? If with the dismissal prayer, I knew this, that you yourself would corner at least two people to encourage them to keep running, to encourage them, don't get a hard heart. Don't let your heart get hardened. I want you to pursue God. Beware. Let me ask you this. Is it better to put a hospital at the bottom of the hill or to build a fence at the top? I'd rather prevent you from going over than to put you in rehab at the bottom. Too many of you are too silent, too long. You talk too much about the wrong thing, and you don't talk enough to encourage one another. We need each other. I need you. You need me. You need the Word of God. Encourage one another while it's called today. Father, I thank you. You encourage my heart. Your word encourages me, and oh, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for those precious believers you put in my life from a boy on that encouraged me to listen to God. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. Listen. Practice purity when you're a teenager. Don't love money. Don't preach for fame. Don't preach for the wrong reasons. Oh, I can hear my sister. I can hear my dad. I can hear my aunts. I can hear all those family members. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. Do it today. Do it God's way. And I've been reaping for 50-some-odd years for listening to your voice. Deliver the marriages that are in trouble, the young people that are strained, and all the temptations to go back to listen to another voice. Deliver us from being deceived, Lord. Please deliver us from deception. We're so gullible that only your truth and your spirit can guard our hearts. Please do it. In Jesus' name, amen.